Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. We talk a lot about sex education, but when I'm shopping for products to support my sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, I head to the experts at Lion's Den. Lion's Den is an adult retailer with over 50 locations nationwide and hundreds of your favorite brands. They have everything you need to explore and express your sexual side. Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online at lionsden.com. Follow them on social media at Lions Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. When you think about the words pleasure and power, what comes to mind? If you're a fan, you know my answer will always be the magic wand. As the world's first ever and best-selling massage wand, the magic wand's familiar shape and legendary power have made magic wand a cultural icon. Revered by millions, it transcends planes of culture and gender. Its impact is so great that Time Magazine included it on its list of the most influential gadgets of all time. Want to get in on the fun? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand. A premium razor and a clitoral vibrator in one discreet product? What? Why hasn't that been thought of before? Well, Freya did. So you've had a long day and all you want to do is take a flight to Pleasure Town, but ugh, you have to shave before a busy day tomorrow. The game plan? Get an amazing shave with Freya's premium razor filled with aloe and vitamin E shave soap. You can subscribe to Replaceable Blades for just $9.99 for a four-pack. And then, okay, ready for this? Remove the razor head, hang it on the wall holder, click the power button, and use the handle as a clitoral vibrator. Freya just put the genius in G-Spot. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya now. And for a limited time, you can enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. So, you're ready to experiment with anal play, but you're not sure where to start. If I were you, I'd start with education and products by a company founded by a doctor who's an expert on anal sex. I'm talking about Future Method. Future Method develops science-backed products and doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Let's talk about a lube I absolutely love, Uberlube. Uberlube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Whether you're using it for solo sex, sex with a partner, or both, Uberlube has a long-lasting performance that lets skin feel skin. It has simple body and condom-friendly ingredients, is scent and color-free, dissipates when no longer needed so there's no sticky residue, and is recommended by leading doctors. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Dr. Milhouse, hello. How's it going today? 
It's going great. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm phenomenal. I'm doing phenomenally. Happy to be here with you. Uh, I see that you're in your brand new office, which we will talk about. You're opening up your own practice, which is very exciting. And congratulations to you. Thank you very, very much. It's very exciting. Yeah, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll get into that. Don't you worry. Um, I would love if you could introduce yourself and just tell us about your background and work for the listeners. Hello, listeners. My name is Dr. Fenwa Milhouse. I'm your favorite urologist, self-titled, and I am a board-certified urologist. That means that I am a surgical specialist in the area of the urinary tract, the part of your body that makes urine, the male reproductive tract, and I also do female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgery. So that means I'm a bit of of what's called a urogynecologist. I do and uh, work with women who have kind of genital urinary issues. I uh, am fellowship trained. I've been in practice for several years. And uh, as Danielle mentioned, I recently opened up my own urology practice down there, urology. I have used social media probably since I think 2019 Okay. Um, to try to, my big passion is trying to dispel misinformation about what we do in urology. A lot of people do, do not have any idea what urologists do and I don't blame them. And um, I love what I do so much. I want to share it with the world. I also want to destigmatize a lot of the conditions that we treat because a lot of the conditions as we will talk about in this show today are, you know, historically bring a lot of shame or guilt or embarrassment to sufferers. And um, I want to dismiss that. I want to destigmatize that. And lastly, I'm a black woman who is in a very much male uh, predominant field. uh, And I am really big on representation, on showing what it means to be a surgeon. We can be diverse. We should be more diverse, but we can be diverse. And uh, and to be a relatable person, just because I'm a surgeon, I'm a physician, I'm a urologist, I uh, am just like I like to say this. I'm just like you all out there too. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Love that. That was a yeah. very good intro, by the way. Sometimes oh. I'm, I like have people on and I'm like, oh, introduce yourselves. And they're like, hi, this is my name. And I'm like, oh, that's good. But maybe just like a little bit more about you. Um, so that was very good. A very practice. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, that was, you're very welcome. No practice, but I just am a talker. Like you're, I- You're just good in front of people, which makes sense. And that's great because I think, yeah, more doctors more surgeons uh, probably need to be better people persons, if the Agreed. plural of people person is people persons. Uh, okay. So, and and totally agree with you in terms of using social media to dispel myths. That's so great that you've been using it since 2019. I'm sure similar to my and many other sex educators' experiences and doctors and providers, uh, COVID, you know, obviously a lot of hardship and sadness. And at the same time, those of us who were able to really utilize social media at the time when folks were at home and really on their phones and on their computers a lot, we were kind of able to really build up our brands during this very interesting, challenging time. A hundred percent. I honestly, the pandemic, I would not be here in front of you without the pandemic because what that did is I suddenly, because I'm a quality of life, mainly quality of life physician. And when the shutdown first happened, like I wasn't seeing any patients, you know, it was only do or die circumstances. And so I had all these, all this time 
And I started to really get into social media and using that time to, to connect with the public, to connect with more and more followers. I like amassed a massive following. Yeah. And then it just was like, okay, I got to give them more. (laughs) So this is how I became your favorite urologist, silver lining to the pandemic for me. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Totally. And, um, I'm, we always ask this question to our guests. I'm sure everybody, depending on where they grew up and where they live has a very different experience, but I think that you know, folks, sex ed growing up sometimes really impacts the way in which we see the value of sexual health and see medicine for our medical health providers and doctors that we have on here. So I'd love to know what your sex ed was like growing up and how you kind of knew that you wanted to to go to medical school, even, you know, from the very beginning. Okay. So I'll answer the second part first. Okay. Um, as far as you know, when did you know you wanted to be a doctor and how it's a very boring story. I am a immigrant. Um, my family and I came over here when I was a very young toddler from Nigeria. So immigrant, immigrant family. And it's very, it's like three options in a Nigerian household on what you can become. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, and everything else is like, not, it's not negotiable. (laughs) It's not happening. And so, um, there was, I mean, I joke, but it's education is really, really important in, uh, in our culture. Uh, I was always born, uh, raised to understand that I was going to try to obtain the highest education that I I could. Uh, I, naturally gravitated towards medicine. My mom is a retired nurse and I like people. I am a people pleaser. I want to make people feel good. And so that all just seemed like, oh, doctoring um, seems the way to be. And so it was very, I mean, I think I remember as young as eight or nine being like, I want to be a doctor. Now I had no freaking idea what kind of doctor. I certainly never, ever imagined myself being a surgeon. I can't even say, I I can't even say, oh, I didn't think I'd be a urologist because I had no idea what urology existed. I didn't even right. know that was a thing until I got to medical school. So it was not even in my, it wasn't even in my vocabulary, but surgery was like so far, far reaching, like, no, 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 no. That's not me. So um, we could talk about how that happened later, but that is where, uh, that is, I've always known I wanted to be help people. As far as the first part, my sex education, I almost forgot your question. (laughs) I was like, what was the first? The sex education. All right. So very like minimal. Um, I remember fifth grade, fifth, yeah, it was fifth grade. We had a day, they separated the boys and the girls and the boys got the boy video and the girls got the girl video and the girl video was like puberty. And I don't even know if it talked about actual intercourse. It Maybe just like was like, yeah, or... period and boobs and bras and right. hormones. And that was that. I don't think it talked about intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got my period in sixth or se- eighth, uh, seventh grade. And my parents, I told my mom and my parents both were like, okay, so now you can get pregnant. So be careful. And that was that. That oh, was wow. literally Just end of the zero case. to a hundred. Yeah. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and I mean, I wasn't even, I don't even think I had kissed, had a real kiss at that point. So I right. was just like, wait, okay, I'm feeling weird. You need more. So I learned a lot about sex uh, with my friends. Um, 
and uh, became sexually active. I'm pretty uh, open book. I became sexually active at what I considered a young age. I was 15. And, you know, just not having all the tools that I needed, thankfully didn't have any major repercussions from kind of being out there kind of a little bit Russian roulette, but I didn't get a lot of foundation. Um, Certainly wasn't taught about, you know, agency and like, do you really want to consent to this, you know, or not? I wasn't given that. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things that I have done very differently with my own children um, so that they're more empowered. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the more and more people I have on this podcast and chat with people, the more and more I realize that none of us got good sex ed. Like there's maybe like two people who are like, oh, mine was pretty good. And then like the hundred other people are like, oh, it was horrific. And uh, I'm doing a lot of things very differently now. And for you, like having that lack of information, what like coupled with kind of your family values and your parents and like the expectations there, do you think that that really propelled you to be like, okay, like I need to learn as much as I can. And I'm so intrigued by this idea of sexual health and this kind of information. Totally. I mean, sex is as natural as eating, as being hungry that, you know what I'm saying? But we like to, to not, to put it in a different category and, you know, once you reach the age where you start to kind of have like potentially sexual desires and, and by the way, this is a whole nother conversation, but little kids, they masturbate. They don't know, they may not know what right. they're doing, but they're touching themselves because it feels good. But I digress. But so when I got to the age when I started to appreciate that, okay, I have this sexuality and it's not a bad thing, certainly. And I want to know it. I want to, you know, um, be able to have agency over it. I want to be healthy about it. I really, you know, I was like, Ooh, of course, who doesn't want to have talk about sex all day long. And especially knowing that I was going to be a doctor and I'm, you know, this doctor, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I want to be able to know what I'm talking about when, when it comes to intimacy and sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I'd, I'd love for you to share your, you know, path to urology story. Like, you know, you have this really beautiful, brief, um, interesting story on your website. And I was like, oh, we got to talk about that on the podcast just because I feel like there are a lot of people who can probably relate to a similar experience. So I'm curious if you can talk to us about your origin story with urology. Of course. I love this story. It is one of the defining uh, parts of my life. Um, Representation changed my life. And so I talked about how I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I had no idea what kind of doctor, which is pretty typical. Uh, I didn't know urology was even a thing until I got to medical school. And another classmate explains that he wants to become a urologist. And I had to pretend like I knew what he was talking about. And I didn't. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I was like, shoot, I don't this is a whole thing I didn't even know existed. How many other things exist in medicine? I don't know. (laughs) So I Googled it and I went back home on my like thick, the the old school desktops, like the thick, big box looking ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Google did exist then. I Googled it and uh, I saw a bunch of pictures of, of, you know, white men that were surgeons and, oh, it's like the male gynecologist, you know, um, they do surgery, they see patients in the office. I was like, oh, okay, well, well, that's not cross that off my list immediately, immediately cross it off the list. You know, there is at that time, this was less right now. There's about nine to 10% of urologists are women. 
Um, 2% are black. 2% of all urologists are black. Okay. Wow. You know, so we're talking, this was, I don't want to age myself too much, but over a decade, 15 years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, so, or more. So it was even less. Um, so they're just clearly just was not an, I did not have this perception of many women at all doing it. And particularly I would like to say in my head, I literally think I said like, what, what business does a black girl have in urology? Like, I think I said that in my head, like what business does a black mm. girl have in urology and, um, didn't think twice about it. Then my, a year later, a later kind of mid, uh, or latter part of my second year in medical school, we get a lecture urology lecture. And it's like a 15 minute lecture, not very long. And I'm packing my stuff up to leave and skip out on the class. Cause You're I'm like, like I'm oh. bouncing, I'm bouncing like this. I've checked, check it off. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, so as I'm getting up to like, get my bag, my classmate next to me is like, girl, look, uh, she's also black too. She's like, look at the speaker, look at her. And so I look and it's black woman and it's the interim chair of urology at my medical school. It's this black woman that walks in. I had no idea. And she's the speaker and she's the urologist and she's also the interim chair. And I sit back down immediately and I'm like, I need to listen to this woman. And I was literally just so inspired in that moment, so drawn to her. Here was this woman that looked like that I could see myself in and just her being her, who she was in the field she was, was like an act of like a statement. It was like a, it was like a big, huge statement, you know, and it made me immediately be like, Ooh, I want to be a badass like her. Like, I want to be that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I purposely, you know, spent time with her. I purposely learned, you know, sought out other urologists in my medical school. And the great thing about urologists in general is that we tend to be pretty likable people. We tend to be approachable and we, we talk a lot about like, you know, intimate things and penises and vaginas and urine and this and that. And so we tend to be people who can be taught, you can talk to and you're down to and clown, we tend, so we're to down, speak. we're down to earth. We're a little bit humorous. We, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And so there was this personality that I gravitated towards too. It felt like home. And I mm. loved what we did for patients. Like I loved what we did for patients. I, I can't imagine myself being any, any other type of physician really. Um, and so it's amazing what life does. Like one little encounter can change your, uh, can really help you find your, your calling. So that's why representation matters and it changed my life. There yes, it really did. And <laughs> thank you for sharing. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's so wild that that one moment really altered the entire course of your career and your life mm -hmm. and your, your passion. And, and I think it's so unique to be able to say like, wow, I'm like, one of the very few black women in this profession. Like, what does that mean? Why are there barriers here? Like, I'm sure there are many conversations that you've had with other black women urologists being like, okay, what's going on here? Like, how can we kind of talk about like maybe barriers that exist here or how do we get other women in this field or women mm -hmm. of color? And yeah. I think it's just a fascinating way to to really see someone in a position that you didn't really think you were able to see yourself in. And then all of a sudden it's one person and they, they change the whole, the whole thing for you. Does that person, does that woman know that yes. she impacted you? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. She knows. She's heard the story a million times. She's okay. probably like, okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> hashtag yes. over it. But no, no, Dr. Lenane Wesney. Absolutely. And because of that, for me, when I started 
my social media as Dr. Milhouse, I was like, you know what? Actually, I owe it to what was given to me to do to do that for somebody else. I mean, no, it's not a direct face-to-face whatever, but like I shouldn't be in a box. I shouldn't be hidden. You know, I should be visible. If nothing else to inspire a little girl, a little brown girl, a little black girl, a little, you know, whatever that sees does not see themselves in in, you know, these positions of greatness or these positions that are predominantly mainstream to get that inspiration. You know, for me, that is important to whom much is given, much is required. And it was like, I need to, I would be doing a disservice for what was given to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Here are my top three favorite things I love about Uberlube. Number one, Uberlube makes sex feel a lot more pleasurable. It's as simple yet as powerful as that. Number two, Uberlube is recommended by leading doctors and its body-friendly ingredient list is widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. And number three, Uberlube will not stain clothing or bedding. Any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. Get your bottle of Uberlube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Let's talk about butt acne. Not what you expected me to say, huh? Well, we're here now, so let's get into it. I personally struggle with butt acne, and it really brings down my self-confidence sometimes. One thing that has really helped me is the butt and body scrub by Future Method. Future Method is science-backed and doctor-led, so I know I can trust them. Their quick and gentle exfoliating booty scrub cleanser is great to use on your body and between your butt cheeks. Its doctor-approved ingredients are infused with a refreshing and invigorating hit of citrus, clove, and cedar to soften, smooth, and tone your skin. Get yours now at futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at checkout. Want to win your very own Magic Wand Mini? If so, keep on listening. Ooh, it's kind of fun to have your attention. Okay, but let's get into it. Magic Wand, aka the best-selling wand vibrator of all time, has partnered with SEXEDWITHDB to give some Magic Wands away to some lucky winners. How can you participate and enter to win? We want to hear your best magic wand story. Maybe something funny or silly comes to mind. Maybe the magic wand unlocked a world of pleasure for you like it did for me. Whatever it is, we want to hear your story. Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand mini. What do I love about my Freya? The incredible razor and clitoral vibrator in one discreet product? Let me count the ways. I love that when I'm already in the shower getting clean, it's super easy for me to grab my Freya and give myself some serious lovin'. I love that I don't need to get out of bed, clean my toy, and get out of the mood. 
As soon as the mood strikes, my Freya is right there to play with. And I love the smooth, clean shave it gives. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, enter to buy one Freya, get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. And I'm, again, like so stoked to have you here, not because you I've seen you on social media and I think you're fantastic, which I do, but also <laughs> because you're the first urologist I believe we've ever had on the podcast. And Woo-hoo! we have over 120 episodes at this point. So pretty cool, That's um, really finally, cool. that we're having a urologist on. So we, you know, I think I'm going to be learning alongside the listeners with this one. You know, as you mentioned, you're a urologist, a pelvic floor surgeon, and I'd love for you to talk about maybe some common issues that you see in your patients, maybe folks with penises, p- folks with vaginas, any anyone who basically comes to see you, um, and maybe some paths that you take to treat these patients depending on their needs. Sure. So I'll separate into penis owners and, and vulva owners. So for okay. penis owners, you know, common urine, uh, urologic erectile dysfunction. So I can't get it up. And this can obviously be detrimental to uh, a man's self-esteem into the relationship. Um, And there's, you know, some shame and some, you know, embarrassment behind it. So some of the treatments you guys already know, the blue pill, Viagra's, Cialis's, and and other things, um, their treatment may involve penile injections. So injecting medicine into the penis to get an erection. There's something called a vacuum erection device that pulls in blood, sucks in blood to get a firm erection. And then there's even a surgery called a penile implant where we, a prosthesis, where we actually implant an inflatable device that gets a firm erection. Another common uh, penis owner complaint are prostate issues. So this can range from benign prostate issues, like I just have trouble peeing, I dribble, to you know, obviously prostate cancer. I talk a lot about prostate cancer on my platform because of the disparity amongst African-American um, or Black men having a disproportionate uh, risk, a higher risk of prostate cancer and prostate cancer death. Um, over two-time risk of prostate cancer death. So there's a host of potential treatments for those conditions. For Sorry to uh, interrupt you. One question. Yeah, is yeah. there research as to why that disparity is so stark? You're trying to have a whole nother, uh, <laughs> whole nother like conversation, whole yeah. nother hour. Okay, thing. maybe yeah. that's for no, part two. No, no, yeah. So I'll just, yeah, there is. There's a lot of research. And I will say one thing the pandemic did was it really highlighted how our, it really highlighted how institutional and chronic inequities, institutional racism and, and chronic inequities have really um, play into people's health, like affects people's health, right. like their, their, you know, um, and so we, and even the CDC has declared race 
uh, racism, a uh, public health emergency. I forget how they worded it. Uh, and so we're understanding that there are structural aspects in place dealing with a person's skin color that actually throughout their life that can make them more at risk for certain things. And this is probably part and parcel for prostate cancer. Gotcha. Um, there have been a lot of research into genetic things that, you know, kind of are mixed uh, results. Um, and we are putting a lot of research now into let's actually close the gap. Let's try to close this gap amongst many gaps that exist um, in uh, a wa- range of conditions when it comes to um, race and ethnicity and even gender gaps that exist. So that's yeah, a little very slice helpful. of yeah, what thank could you. be a very long conversation. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really helpful to, yes. to hear about. And just like, as an, as an aside, which again, it's not an aside, like racism needs yeah. to be in conversations yes. around health and how it actually impacts people. But when I went to public health school at Columbia and graduated in May of 2020, I, it, it was a very impactful lesson when we would talk about the idea of weathering, right? This idea Mm. that people of color who actually receive negative health outcomes based on interpersonal and structural racism that they experience, Mm. uh, and that literally affects their heart and their body and the way in which they age. And there, Mm -hmm. there is so much that folks don't realize actually impacts them, not only mentally, but physically and Mm -hmm. emotionally. And so whenever that opportunity comes up to remind folks who are listening to this podcast about, I think it's it's critical to, to really bring up as we talk about when we talk about Black birthing people and mothers who have poor health outcomes when it comes to maternal and fetal death, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the experiences that, that Black women in particular have in the U.S. And mm-hmm. it, it can't be devoid of the conversation around racism. Agree. You've said it. Yeah, agree, agree. There is actual physical detriment that occurs with that chronic stress. Um, Totally. So back to vulva owners and their pelvic floor, their urologic. So in my practice in particular, there's like the big four things that I see. Um, Leaky bladders. So incontinence, not being able to control your bladder either because you got to go really bad or you cough, laugh, sneeze or run or jump and urine squirts out. So incontinence, there is something called pelvic organ prolapse. That's where um, things may actually fall inside out. Like you have something hanging out of the vagina, a bulge. And that's basically, you know, a loss of pelvic support, time, gravity kind of pulls, can pull things down um, and may require uh, even surgical correction. Uh, There are the recurrent UTIs. I call myself the UTI queen. I literally see, I I think I've seen like a million recurrent UTI patients in my career already. Um, There, I think one in four women has recurrent UTIs. It can be very distressing and disturbing. Um, I talk a lot about UTIs on my channel. Um, I could do a whole soapbox about that. And then, um, then the sex stuff, which a lot of vulva owners are not used to like getting help for that. And so one of the uh, most common sexual complaints is it hurts when I, it hurts to have sex. Like sex is painful. Penetration is painful. And I need a lot of vulva owners that just kind of have dealt with it, that kind of have just, you know, they don't have any interest in, in, in sex because of it, but they still do it because of their partner, but they've never 
thought that there was help out there so they don't go seeking it. And so that's, I'm like on a, a mission to make sex enjoyable for those people who want to have sex. Yeah, should be absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've talked about like pain during sex on the podcast a couple times, predominantly with my mom, who's an OBGYN. And we kind of have talked through like, oh, you know, for her patients, it's like a lot of women who are over 60. And so there are different Mm -hmm. reasons why sex might be painful for, you know, menopausal reasons or hormonal reasons or a dry vaginal, you know, uh, you know, experience that they're having it, that they're having, happening with the vaginaning. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, you know, but, but I think like there's so many other things that people can be experiencing when they have painful sex. And so I think we talk about that a little bit through our bonus episodes and just how challenging it can be because it can be so many different factors and it's very complex depending on the person. Is that typically what you find or is there really like typical like kind of A to B, like draw the line? No, not necessarily. Um, There's, you know, our sexuality and like uh, pleasure during sex is is not straightforward. Um, so there's different aspects. Um, I think painful pain with sex can be, have multi multiple factors. Like it can start from a vaginal dryness thing, but then now your pelvic floor is out of whack because if sex is painful every time and you already know that it's going to be painful, your body and your, your, you're going to manifest that in your body. So your pelvic floor is going to tighten up at that penis coming at it, even if you aren't trying to. And so now you have this combination of, you know, postmenopausal dryness plus pelvic floor dysfunction. Well, you've got to address both of them. You know what I'm saying? I see that a lot. So it, it does take steps and really like getting through the weeds. When I see a patient who has painful sex, I'm asking them, when is it painful? Is it painful when it initially starts or later on or throughout or a particular position? Has it always been painful? Was there ever a time it wasn't painful? What about other things that go in the vagina? Are fingers painful? Are tongues painful? Are dildos painful? Have you tried, you know, all of these things um, to really hone in uh, to be able to help the patient? Yeah. And when it comes to the urinary issues, is that, you know, are there certain exercises that help folks? Is it really about their, you know, again, same thing, asking a ton of questions and learning about their experience? What what are maybe some paths to kind of like treat some of the urinary issues? So are you talking about the leaky bladders? Leaky bladders. And yes. then, yeah, I guess separately like UTIs. Sure. So with the leaky bladders, um, a big thing is understanding what's causing your leakage. So a lot, and I don't expect you know, people to know this, but a lot of people just lump leaky bladder into one thing, you know, leaky bladder is this. And really it's really two things, main, two main causes. One is overactive bladder. So I have the urge and I cannot hold it and I pee myself. And there's something called stress incontinence, which is, I have nothing to do with urge. I just, you know, cough or I laugh or I pick up something heavy and I squirt out. And those are two different mechanisms. So part of what I, how I cancel a patient absolutely depends on me understanding what is the main thing that's bothering them. And you may have both of them, but I want to focus on the main thing first. Um, Certainly everybody knows about Kegel exercises and Kegel exercises are absolutely part of a lot of my counseling. Um, They can provide some feedback to our actual brain bladder system to help our bladder urge come down. So I talk Mm. about doing quick Kegels 
which you do a bunch of rapid Kegels off and on if you have a strong urgency. And that actually can like make that urge go down by this providing this like negative feedback to, to our brain bladder connection. Uh, very interesting. Um, you can obviously do Kegels to stri- try to strengthen the pelvic floor to help it not leak when you cough, laugh, or sneeze. I want to say one thing about Kegels. This kind of goes into like a common, while everybody knows about Kegels, a common myth is like Kegels are like, do Kegels for everybody. Everybody, you Kegel, I Kegel, you Kegel, 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 Kegel. Do your Kegels, do your Kegels, do your Kegels. Tight vagina, must Kegels are good. Kegels are not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Kegels are not the only thing. Kegels are not the end all be all. Some people, I tell them, do not Kegel. I do not want you to Kegel. You have pelvic floor tightness. Your pelvic floor is like a Kegel constantly. I need that thing to relax because it's causing other problems. So it's really important that we don't oversell Kegel or we don't over apply it to grossly to everybody. And that's where going to pelvic floor specialists can help pelvic floor PTs or urogyne or urologists like myself. Um, you know, so that's with the leaky bladder. Um, certainly there's a host of like office procedures and meds and even surgeries that we can, that I absolutely can offer. There's a bunch of stuff that people don't know. I posted this one time, like four treatments you don't know about your bladder. There's a bunch of treatments that people don't know. So I encourage them if they're not getting results with whatever they're doing to, to like, keep, you know, keep go trying. and find, keep trying. Like there's other things with UTIs. Oh, the UTIs. So the most important, a couple things, number one, you're not alone. It's super duper common especially vulva owners, particularly I'm talking to vulva owners out here, super duper common. You're not broken because of it. Most of the time, it's not something majorly wrong with your body's mm. urinary tract. It's not like some mo- vast majority of the time we don't That's find so like common. a significant Like my jaw factor. just yes. calmed when you said yes. that. Like this idea yes. of like, it, you're going to be okay probably. It's okay. Yes. yes. Um, y- you know, we have a urethra that's much smaller than men, like a fifth of men. Um, so we are penis owners, I should say. So we are more susceptible. Intercourse is a mechanism where we can get bacteria into close pr- proximity. Um, menopause is a risk factor for UTIs because it changes the pH, which makes bad bacteria flourish um, uh, with the decline in estrogen. So these are all these things, and these and these are things you cannot change, right? You cannot change your, you, well, you cannot change the anatomy like that. You cannot change the pH. You can't. You cannot change the age. And so we talk. I talk a lot about like mitigating these risks by doing other things. You know, vaginal estrogen is a big, big help for recurrent UTIs in postmenopausal women, um, and it works and it's safe, um, and it's you know natural. It really yeah. is when you think about it. I talk about that. I talk about, you know, other things like high dose cranberry supplements and something called D-mannose and um, also just trying to balance the overuse of antibiotics, but helping the patient. I'm really big on using antibiotics appropriately right. and not knee jerk. And patients, like patients really, they, they like that. They actually, majority of my patients, when I finish consulting with them, they're like, wow, I learned a ton and I like this plan. And I agree. I, you know, I don't want to be on these antibiotics, you know, like the way I've, I've been. So it's a lot of uh, counseling that we do. Yeah. Um, like I said, let's, I have a whole soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to, speaking of your patients, let's talk yes. about your new practice that you're opening. Yes. Uh, yes. tell me like a little bit more about it. What kind of propelled you to open it? What maybe are you working on that you want to be like different or unique from maybe other experiences that you've had as a doctor in urology? 
Wow. So I, yes, I'm opening my own practice, uh, Down There Urology, Chicago-based. The Thank you. You know what? Everybody says down there. Literally, everybody's like, down there, down there. Yeah, I was like, you're using their language. I am. Um, I'm really proud of this. I'm like, this is like the most ex- exciting thing that I have done in my life. Probably more exciting than be- deciding to become a urologist. Like doing this is like, I'm, I'm just as like, stressed and nervous as when I went to residency and all that and but excited about the future as this if not even more um I love patients I love what I do I felt more and more squeezed that I couldn't do what I love to do the way I wanted to do it the way that the patients also preferred spending enough time being able to offer different things um being able to talk to patients and engage with them outside of the appointment really, um, you know, felt more and more squeezed that I wasn't able to do that way uh, in the way that traditional medicine is being practiced and continuing. Um, And I wanted to build a place that people felt seen and heard, that people felt like they were valued. They were not just a number. They were important and that they like could, you know, be themselves, could be vulnerable, but leave with a smile on their face. Truly, Mm. truly, truly, truly. Um, And so I want my office to be that way. I uh, plan on offering different services that I didn't in my old tradition, my previous, I shouldn't say old, my previous traditional practice. And I plan on engaging with patients a lot more a lot more. Um, so I'm so, I'm just so, so, so excited. Incredible. Yes. And it's, it's very comforting to hear that you say that because my mom owns her own practice in Napa. Go mom. And, and she yes. is, ex- she has said the exact same sentiment and words that you have said. Like she just really didn't like the idea of only spending like 20 minutes per patient and not getting to know them and really not being able, like she's always clickety clacketing away on her laptop when she's home, like in the portal, chatting with people, answering their calls, making sure that they're seen and they're heard. And Mm -hmm. she really would, you guys would have a great coffee chat because I feel like you have the same exact principles and values when it comes to how you want to treat your patients and how you want them to see you as their care provider. The truth of the matter is the average doctor got into doctoring because they want to help people, not because they want to be rich. Because let me tell you, we actually don't really get that rich. Okay. Yeah. So what what has happened is we don't want to be like burned out to death. You know, there's a lot of burnout, a lot of burnout. And so we... Your mom is like such inspiration because she was like, you know what? No more. I'm going to do this and create this on my own the way I kind of want this. And, you know, it's it's very intimidating to start your own practice, to kind of take the reins and be your own CEO and be your boss. So, but she knew she wanted, she, she did not want this kind of factory style medicine. Right. Um, and I totally relate to that. Totally. Oh. I'm so excited to see how it grows and how I can support you. If you're in Chicago or you know someone in Chicago who needs a urologist, please go to Dr. Milhouse's page. We're going to share your your info at the end of this ep. Um, but Thank before you. we do that, we have one more major question that I want to ask you because you, as we know, are 
big on social media. You're big on Instagram. You're big on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know like what kinds of myths are you Mm. dispelling on there? Like maybe through the comments or through like the reaction to some of your videos going viral. Maybe what are some like top three maybe myths that you really want to correct for people? Uh, I talked about one, the Kegels. Yes, that was was the number one. I think super important. That's a huge one. Um, One I find on the penis owner side is that everyone, like all the men's ills is related to testosterone. Like, okay, I can't, I can't, for instance, I have an erection problem. Must mean I need testosterone. And uh, your penis is about blood flow. And testosterone is a hormone that is important for a lot of things. Um, so they're kind of separate things. It's not It's not just, you know, black and white like that. That's a huge myth. I, I constantly get men that are like, I can't get hard. I need testosterone. I'm like, actually, you need to start exercising, quit smoking, um, go see a PCP, get your diabetes in check, and probably maybe some Viagra. And, uh, and we'll check <laughs> so your testosterone. Like, yeah, that might, separate, you know. maybe. Yes, correct. Um, another, oh, another myth, you know, just like, a very common one was you see women like urologists treat women, you know, Oh, women are a part of the practice. I thought urologist was the male gynecologist. And I say, urology is for everybody. If you make urine, you might need a urologist. And in fact, it's funny because when I decided to be a urologist and I told my family, my friends, all of them were like, what are we going to do with that? Like, we can't use you for nothing. We can't, cons- <laughs> like, I, what are we, and wouldn't you know, these same people, baby, one of my best friends was like, I can't use you for anything, honey, you know, Call I, me I'm up. Not, without, you, you, you need your, she needed all just for a kid. She needed it for herself. She needed it for, you know, yeah. it's like, you'd be surprised, so, I guess. Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of different applications and reasons why you might need a urologist. Yeah. Could you, well, I said I had one more question, but I really have one more again. Um, I'm curious if you can kind of talk through maybe like if your urologists like you who kind of also work on the pelvic floor specifically for vulva owners, do Mm -hmm. you kind of work closely with like pelvic floor therapists and like what does that relationship look like? Baby, we are boom coom buddies. Besties. Like those speed speed dial. Yes, okay. <laughs> besties. Yes. My pelvic floor physical therapist, first of all, let me just say thank you that you guys exist. A lot of the treatments that I recommend involve pelvic floor physical therapy. It's absolutely um a critical part of my practice. I can't, I can't even imagine doing my practice without without that. I certainly am not a physical therapist, so I'm not about to, people will be like, well, what, can you just tell me some exercise? I'm like, nah, you need to see a professional because not, it's not just one thing. It's not one thing for everybody. Um, But absolutely, there's a very close relationship. It's very important with me uh, that they know me and I know them. And I want to know when I'm sending my patients to a physical therapist that I'm sending them to somebody that that I trust, that I know um, is going to do good work on them. Um, And I think the physical, pelvic floor physical therapist would say the same thing about us in urology, urogynecology, gynecology, um, and maybe even gastroenterology, because the pelvic floor kind of is like the pee, poop, and pleasure center, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. All of the above. <laughs> the yeah. three P's, I say. Yes. I'm into that. I'm the yes. three P's. We should three... make some some hats, some merch with yes. three P's. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Uh, well, Dr. Milhouse, this has been so wonderful to meet you. You're incredibly down to earth and just thank very you. fun to talk to. So thank you so much. 
And if you can just share like where our followers can find you and follow you and kind of get your social media tips for everything urology that you cover. Absolutely. So if you remember this, if you remember nothing else, remember your favorite urologist. If you go on Instagram and put your favorite urologist, you'll come to my page, Dr. Milhouse. If you go on YouTube, your favorite urologist, that's my uh, YouTube handle. If you go on TikTok, you guessed it, your favorite urologist. I am your favorite urologist. My practice is called Down There Urology. Also very easy to remember, Down There Urology. Uh, And that is my website, downthereurology.com. If you want to get on my list, I'm happy to see you and treat you you know, get in. Um, you can go on the website and you can easily get in on the list. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's easiest way to tell patients like your favorite urologist. You can't go wrong. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much again for being here. It was so wonderful to learn from you and yeah, you're so awesome. So thanks. Thank you so much, Danielle. This was a lot of fun too. Our creator host and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, AKA DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.